This morning, please turn to Luke chapter 8. I feel like I've been in church this morning. Amen. I've gone to church a lot of times where I didn't think I was in church, but I felt like I've been in church this morning. Church is a gathering of God's believer for the purpose of worship and edification through his word. Now, if we aren't accomplishing that, we're really not in church. We're just playing church. And uh, so I'm glad that we've had church this morning. Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8. I never get tired of that song, Man of Sorrows. What a message as it builds to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the ensemble sang that at the Northeast Vision Summit with a room full of 2,500 people, about 1,000 of them preachers. And they were throwing babies from the balconies and all kinds of things. I mean, it was a good time. And I, I, I could hear it every service if I could, but they won't let me. And uh, man, it's, it was such a blessing. Luke chapter 8, all the music's been good this morning. Thank you, choir. I, I, I hope you've noticed how hard the choir's been working. I hope you've noticed that. And they're not doing it uh, just because they want to impress or show off. I believe they're doing it because they want to glorify the Lord and do their very best to be pleasing unto him. And so you'll notice that they're not using books for a lot of songs. That means they're memorizing those songs. They have the words, but they have to memorize the notes and the parts and all the rest. And so thank you, choir, for working so hard. It adds so much to our worship service. Luke chapter 8 this morning, Luke chapter 8. I talked to uh, Brother Dorkson and... Uh, doing much better. He had, did have a fall. He had an MRI on, on Saturday to make sure everything was okay with his, uh, his neuro, neurological, but he says he's fine. That turned out well. On, or sorry, that was on Friday. Uh, but one of the tests that they've been doing to monitor his situation has improved dramatically. Now, he says, I'm still not to where I can, can be without medical intervention, but he says it's improving dramatically and everything's going very well. So he said, thank everybody for their prayers. And so uh, continue to pray for Brother Dorkson. I know he appreciates it very much. And get by and visit him if you can. He's got long days at home. He doesn't go very far. And so he'd uh, love to have you come in. All right, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're continuing with our Miracles of Christ series, Miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ from the book of Luke. And today we're looking at he calmed the storm. He calmed the storm. Luke chapter 8, verse 22, the Bible says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased. There was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, as we've spent this time in praising your name and thinking about all that you've done for us through song, I pray, Lord, that it would have prepared our hearts to receive from you. I pray, Lord, that you were stirred in heaven, Lord, that you would now speak to us. So, Father, I, I need your help, and I ask for your Spirit's filling, and I surrender to you. Lord, I ask that you just speak through this message today. Help us, Lord, we pray. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. April 30th in 1984 is a date that is etched in my memory, and I'll probably never forget it. 
It was the day that the Stanley Clipper sank in Lake Erie. He said, how do you remember that? I was only 11 years old. I was in sixth grade at Port Dover Public School, and we had that day something going on at the Lighthouse Festival Theater. I, I believe it was the Norfolk Grade 6 Choir, of which I was a part of, and we had joined together for several practices, and now we were singing at the Lighthouse Festival Theater, and, and many schools from across the county were coming that day. And so we were asked, since we were the closest school, to bring extra chairs down to the, the, the theater. Uh, Mr. Daly had rented a, he was our principal, had rented a U-Haul type of a truck, a big box truck. And we were loading chairs, him and myself and another grade six student, the three of us, loading chairs in this truck, taking them down and setting them up. And we remember how bad the wind was. Just a terrible, terrible day. And as we got down to the theater on one of our trips down there, I believe it was the second time down, it was our final trip, and we had filled that truck twice and put all the chairs out. And somebody said, have you heard about the trouble out on the lake? Most of the boats are in, but some are struggling. A couple have come in pretty swamped. But they're missing one, the Stanley Clipper. Mr. Daly said, let's go down to the lake before we go back to the school. And we went down to the pier and we walked out in the water. We couldn't get any closer than about 10 feet from the pier because the water was coming right up over. And hundreds of people had gathered and were praying. It's funny how we don't like prayer until a day like that. And then everybody prays. And staring off, and I can remember, what I can remember the most was I could hear the lighthouse, but the storm was so bad I could not see the lighthouse. And I was standing just at the opposite end of the pier. The disciples were overtaken by a similar type of storm. The Bible says as we consider this storm, and we often, we often call it the calming of the sea, don't we? Jesus calmed the sea, but really we're doing a disservice when we say that. You understand that this was God incarnate in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ who has power over nature. <laughs> this wasn't just some localized event. This was God ceasing not just the waves but the winds that were coming from all directions and bringing calm to a situation and, and speaking peace to nature. This was no small thing. And so we do a disservice sometimes, and we must be reminded it's not about the wind, and it's not about the seas, and it's not about the lack of faith or fear of the disciples, but it's all about Jesus and his wonderful power. And the Bible talks about this type of storm that we, I just related to you from April 30th of 1984, and it says, it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go over under the other side of the lake, and they launched forth, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, and were in jeopardy. The Bible uses the word in the book of Matthew that the winds and the waves were contrary to them. That word contrary means, doesn't just mean some passive force. That word contrary literally means that they were standing opposed and pushing back and seeking life. And it was, a, it was a very tempestuous situation. The Bible says the disciples described it as our lives are in jeopardy. And later they said, Master, Master, we perish. This was quite a storm. 
I want you to notice some of the things about this storm this morning. And first of all, we notice the frightening danger. And I I would say to you that the danger was imminent. The Bible says that their boats in verse 23 was, the boat was filled with water. I don't know about you, but it's okay if the boat is in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, we have a problem. There's an issue here. And there was imminent danger. Have you ever been in a boat that's leaking? I took a little 16-foot aluminum boat on Lake Ontario one time, and I was putting along, and I noticed that the plug was leaking, the drain plug. And my son was in the boat with me, and he had just got his boating license, and he was excited, you know, Brendan, to drive that boat for the first time, and so we're out there. I thought, I'm not going to a river. I'm going to a wide open, 1,000 acres of water that we can not hit anything. And so we got out there in the boat, and I noticed it was leaking, and he says, Dad, the water's coming in the boat back here a little bit. And I, I got back there, and I said, yeah, it is a little bit. I said, but it's not too bad. It'll be all right. And I said, it's just leaking around that plug a little bit. He says, no problem, Dad. They got a spare right here, and he pulled the plug. <laughs> Let me tell you, you don't get the plug back in very quick. And that back end started going like this. Now, fortunately, we were only in about three feet of water. So we jumped out, and I said, get out of the boat. We got out, and we lifted up the boat, and we tried to get that water up. We dragged it to shore, and, but hey, water in the boat is not a good thing. The disciples were swamped. They were in imminent danger. There was water in the boat. The Bible says it was filled with water. It said they were in jeopardy in verse 23. Verse 24 says, Master, we perish, and they called on Jesus. You know, we're often good at calling on Christ when the threat is imminent, aren't we? But what about before they went on the trip? Did they take some time and pray before they ever got in the boat? There were some fishermen in that group. There were some men in that group that had fished many nights on the Sea of Galilee, and I'm sure that unless God had orchestrated this storm at the last moment, perhaps even a couple of them looked at each other and said, no, the sky doesn't look so good, does it? Seems like that maybe there's some weather coming. Black flies are biting. That usually means a thunderstorm. Red sky at night, sailors delight. But remember, there was a red sky this morning. Sailor, take warning. And perhaps these fishermen in these sails, the sailors knew what to look for. And did they pray ahead of time? Often we pray when we're in peril, but how about in preparation? God becomes our last resource rather than our first go-to. Are we trusting Christ? The disciples were in imminent danger and they decided to call upon the Lord. The danger was imminent, but I want you to notice the danger was also instructive. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, it taught them something. First of all, it taught the disciples to surrender to the Lord. Up until now, the Lord Jesus Christ had done some things that he also instructed the disciples to do. You remember that Jesus healed the sick. But there was also a time that Jesus said to the disciples, you go forth and heal the sick. There was a time that Jesus cast out demons and there was times where the disciples tried to do that too. Sometimes they were successful and often they were not. For they were not praying and fasting like they should have been. But the disciples never calmed the sea. They didn't have power over nature. And so what this miracle teaches us is that sometimes there's just some things that are 
out of our control, aren't there? There's just some things that we just have to learn how to surrender into the Lord's hands. There are some things that we look at medically and we say, well, you know, the, I'll go to the doctor and I'll get that taken care of. And you'll go to the doctor and you'll get an antibiotic or you'll get something and it, it seems to help and it passes because God has already built into our bodies a natural f- way to heal itself. But then there sometimes comes a point in our lives where we say, well, I guess it's in the Lord's hands now. That's exactly what the storm taught the disciples. I'm sure that these fishermen were bailing water. What do you think? I think some of them were rowing a little harder trying to get to shore. I think maybe a couple of them said, maybe we ought to turn around and go back. The waves are pushing us the other way. Maybe there's some that are thinking in their minds, what if I jump out and swim? Maybe I got a better chance than going down out here in the middle of the lake. But there came a point at each one of them, they said, go get the master. We have to surrender. It taught them to surrender to the Lord. There's just some things that are out of our control. It also taught the disciples that salvation is of the Lord. One thing that has been impressed upon my heart through these studies of miracles is that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, I'm sufficient for everything. Blinded eyes, no problem. You got leprosy, I can take care of that. Your son has died? Don't worry, he'll sit up in a minute. And Jesus just keeps teaching through these miracles and the power that he possesses, that he is able and that he is sufficient. And again, he comes to the disciples and they've had to learn this this thing. If we're going to be saved from the storm, we must get the master. He is sufficient for salvation. We see, first of all, that... There was a frightening danger, but I want you to notice, secondly, a forgotten directive. A forgotten directive. Look what it says in verse 22. Now, and it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. He said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. How come one of the 12 disciples didn't poke another and say, what are you worried about? Jesus said, we're going the other side. They forgot all about it, didn't they? You know, sometimes we will say things that are just in passing. But I, I want you to notice what Jesus said. His, his words were not idle. He, these were not just flippant words to share a passing idea. Sometimes we'll, we'll say something. Well, you know, one day maybe we need to go out for dinner. Those are just idle words. They're just passing words. Maybe one day we need to plan a trip somewhere as a family. Or maybe one day we can do this or that. And, and they're just idle and passing words and thoughts that pop into our head and sometimes go out just as quickly as they come in. But these were not idle words. Jesus, when he said, let's get into the boat and go the other side, it was a directive from God that we will make it. You just have to trust in me. You see, when Jesus said, get into the boat and let's go the other side, he knows the end from the beginning. He knew what he'd be doing the next day. This was the same Jesus that said to his mother, my time has not yet come. He wasn't going to die on a lake. He knew exactly the timeline of the Father. Let me ask you this. When you get into peril and trouble and trying circumstances, do we sometimes forget what the Father says to us? Do you recount the promises of God? I quizzed our kids in Sunday school this morning Boy, God's blessings in Sunday school. We had 35 in our class today. 
And my wife did the roll call, and there was at least 12 regulars that weren't there today. I don't know what we're going to do when they all get back next Sunday. You're going to have to, we need some workers. Amen? Amen. Okay, there's one worker. Amen? (laughs) Yeah. I was quizzing them. I said, what what memory verse did you memorize at Master Clubs on Thursday night? Somebody share your memory verse. By the way, who has John Vanderplug in their class? Is that you or Austin? Austin. He gets a special prize because he knew his verse and said it verbatim. I said, kids, we are not just teaching you these verses just so you can win a prize. We are helping you to memorize these verses so that when you get into life situations, you can recall them. God will put them in your heart and they will help you. I remember Brother Pat Patterson, the man was so ravaged with Alzheimer's, he could not remember his wife's name. One night his wife came home and he'd plucked all the feathers off his parakeet. He said, why? Because he was getting it ready for dinner. That's how confused he was. But he could recite entire books of the Bible. And as he'd recite every Sunday, he'd, his wife would get Pastor Massacre or me, and she'd say, listen to a verse or two. And he'd recite the Psalms something, you know, and recite the whole book of the Bible. And she'd look at us with a big smile. She says, thy word have I hid in my heart. It's not here, it's here. What a wonderful thought that we need to be reminded of that God's promises are true. And if we hide his word in my heart, we will always have them when the trials come. And these were not just idle words when Jesus said, let's go the other side. But instead, they were words that showed intent. It was a directive from God. Again, I would suggest that the disciples were working hard. They were panicking. They were bailing water. They were rowing the ship. They were thinking about abandoning. But the one who was following a director from God, he found a pillow. Mark chapter four says he was arrested on a pillow. And that's something. Here's the thing. If the 12 disciples never recognized that a storm was coming, Jesus knew. And his reaction was to go find a pillow and to get some rest. You see, these were not just idle words. They were words of intent. They were words that showed, hey, God has a plan for my life and I'm following his will. And so Jesus rested during the storm, but the disciples forgot. Then we see, thirdly, faithless disciples. Look what it says in verse 24. The Bible says, and they came to him and awoke him saying, master, master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and they were calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they being afraid, wondered. By the way, they weren't afraid of the storm. It was gone. They were afraid of Jesus. Boy, have you ever, have you ever been afraid of somebody you knew you were in trouble? <laughs> you ever done that? I, we, we used to have a little dog, a little poodle, when, when I lived at home. And if we came home, that dog would tell us if it wet on the floor. He said, what, you had a talking dog? No, we didn't have a talking dog. But we could just tell by its behavior. We'd come in the door and it'd have its head down and it'd be all sheepish because it knew. We didn't even find it yet. Boy, I've seen children do the same thing. I used to coach baseball in Hamilton. We had a little boy on our team. He was such a sweet little guy. And uh, his, uh, his mom called us one day and she says, uh, is there a baseball game tonight? I said, yeah, there is. And she says, okay. She says, uh, we're coming. And she says, I've got to convince him to come with us. And I said, oh, what's wrong? Is he not feeling well? And she says, no. She says, he did something bad. And I said, oh, he's in trouble. 
She says, we don't know what he did. But whatever he did, he feels so guilty, he went and put himself to bed. And he says, I'll get up when I've been punished enough. Boy, what a conscience, eh? Good night. That would have kept me out of a lot of trouble if I had a conscience like that. The disciples were afraid. Because when Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, they went, "Uh uh-oh, we are faithless. Boy, if we just trusted Jesus, if we just remembered that he said we're we're going to the other side, if we just had some, some faith, I want you to notice just as an aside this morning how Jesus helped before he rebuked. You know what our tendency is, is we'll rebuke without helping. Hey, if you can't help the situation, there's no point in rebuking the people that are trying. But Jesus had the authority to rebuke because he had the situation under control. And so we see that the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked them for their faith. And we notice first about that, that an absence of faith will lead to failure. Listen, how many of you understand that life is so much easier when we just trust Jesus? We just put our faith in him. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, you probably don't know yet, but we announced Caitlin Foreman for prayer that she's suffering with cancer. She's already had several treatments of chemotherapy, and she's been getting sick. She was trying to get through it quickly without anybody knowing, but uh, losing her hair a little bit and the nausea, it's going to become obvious, so we decided to let you know so you can pray about that and appreciate that, and I was sitting here this morning, and Donna's singing that song, and I'm bawling. I didn't know how she was getting through that thing. And I just, you know, so did, you hear, did you listen to the words of that song? Wherever you are, he's already ahead of you. He's already planning. He's already seeking your best. He's already got the path planned out. Now we just got to trust him. Just trust him. It's easy to say when things are going well, but when you're facing cancer and you're facing bankruptcy, trust in Jesus. Romans 8, 28 is not going anywhere. He's still working all things together for good. He's got a plan for your life. And we just have to have faith in him, but an absence of faith will always lead to failure. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And secondly, an absence of faith will lead to fear. The disciples were afraid. The Bible says, Master, we perish. We are in jeopardy. The Bible says in Matthew that they were sore afraid. Why were they afraid? Jesus said, because you have no faith. Because you have no faith. God's not letting the boat go down when Jesus is in it. I got news for you. Jesus is in you. No matter what you're suffering, he will never leave you, forsake you, for he is in you. And he's not going down with the ship. That's, by the way, that's why I believe in the eternal security of the soul. Because if Jesus Christ is in me, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. In order for God to throw my soul into hell, Jesus has got to go with me. But that's not happening. He's already paid the price. The Bible says, I will not let thine holy one see corruption, but he brought him forth from the pits of hell. He suffered for me. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. And we can trust in the promises of God and we must have faith in him. I want you to notice, fourthly, the disciples made a faithful discovery. Look what it says in verse 25. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? 
For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. In my Bible, I have an exclamation mark. What manner of man is this? Do you know an exclamation mark only appears in the King James Bible three or four times, I believe it is? This is an emphatic statement. What manner of man is this? What have we stumbled upon? I'm thinking, and I read it, and at first glance, I go, what are you guys thinking? He just raised a widow from Nain's son just last chapter. He just, he just healed some lepers. He just touched blinded eyes and cast out some demons. Where have you been? But again, he'd never taken nature by its tail before and said, I'm in charge here. The disciples made quite the discovery. They discovered, first of all, saving grace. Even in their lack of faith, Jesus saved them. Now, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. In order to be saved, we must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 2. But even though these men were faithless, Jesus chose to save their physical lives. That's grace. They didn't deserve it. I wonder if Jesus went and put his head on that pillow in the front of the boat, and if the Bible didn't say he was asleep, I would think he'd have one eye open watching them see what they were doing. Wondering which one will come. Master, the rest of them are scared. But I know you got this. But not one came. Instead, they cried out, Master, Master, we perish. But they made a discovery that if he can heal the sick, raise the dead, and now he can control nature, boy, he really can save my soul. He's almighty, all-powerful God. There was other times that Jesus did miraculous things and the disciples held their peace. There was times that Jesus did miraculous things and the disciples went about their way without saying a word. But this time they wondered. So what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. They discovered saving grace. Can I suggest this morning that you must make that same discovery? Each one of us must have a saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It is a personal discovery. Now, there are two types of discovery. There's discovery that Christopher Columbus claimed. When he came here and says, I've discovered the Americas. I still can't understand how you discover something when people are already living there. But whatever. But to discover something means sometimes that we are the very first ones to find it. But the word discovery can also mean that you discovered something personally. And you might share with a friend, you got to go to this little restaurant I discovered downtown. Well, you didn't discover it. It was already there. But you meant I made a personal discovery. And that's what I'm speaking about this morning. Each one of us must come to Jesus and have a personal discovery. You see that the disciples had seen many miracles and they understood now that God had come in the flesh in Jesus Christ and had performed many mighty works, but it was now that they discovered, boy, he can save us. Have you discovered that for yourself? Do you know that he is the savior of the world? I want you to notice, secondly, they discovered a sovereign God. 
What was left? He had healed, he had restored life, and now he commanded nature. He was sovereign. There, there was, in other words, there was nothing left that didn't fall under his umbrella. There was not a thing left they could think of that he could not command. He, in the spiritual world, no problem. Demons be gone. Physical world, no problem. He healed, he raised from the dead. But now he's got the natural world under his control too? Wow. He's a sovereign God. He's almighty and all-powerful. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, listen to this, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Let me just close with this. The miracle of the calming of the sea teaches us many things. But here's what we can tuck away and take home today. One, God loves you very much. And even when our faith is weak and even non-existent in the case of the disciples, he often shows grace. And if he's willing to do that in those times of our weakness, when we come to a trial, we know we can trust him. When life is storming, the waves are beating against us and the ship is getting full of water, we can cry out to the master. And he can say, peace be still. I want you to hear a song this morning. There's, there's a video with it, but the video is really not relevant at all. It's not even, it's just, just a storm. There's nothing to watch. But I want you to focus on the words of the song. Many of you have heard it before, but maybe it'll help you put all this in perspective this morning. Brother Judge.
feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Some of you folks are dealing with some situations and you haven't even quite realized yet it's out of your control. The master's just at the other end of the boat. He wants to help you this morning. Would you cry out to him? The altars are open even now. The instrumentalists are going to begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, if you've got a burden that's out of your control, come and give it to the Lord. Even if you think it's in your control, give it to him. Say, I've got this taken care of, do you? Let the Lord have it. Surrender. Let him speak peace to that situation. Don't carry that burden anymore. 